Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to a Monday episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. July 12, 2021. A couple of days here and then I'll be uh, hitting the travel, t- you know, hitting travel. So, um, you know, it's going to be hopefully a uh, good time in whichever way it can happen. So, hope. Hopefully, all your prayers and blessings to whoever has been listening to me throughout this whole year will continue. Um, you know, as you know, the time is getting near for hopefully some fun and some uh, very important things to get done. You know, peace and just being able to, you know, come back and be stronger than ever. So with that being said, a couple things I want to recap. A lot happened over this past weekend, which I will get into as this week rolls on until probably Wednesday or maybe Thursday, depending on how things go. Um, But I will be away after this week, so um, not to worry. I'll be, uh, you know, doing my thing and just taking a break from everything. So definitely whatever comes up the next couple of weeks, definitely enjoy all those things. Um, because things are gonna, only going to get more and more exciting um, and interesting as it goes along. So, what I will recap and start with today is the Milwaukee Bucks winning Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Uh, finally, they came through with a big victory yesterday. Um, they knew what was at stake. They were down 2-0. You know, the Phoenix Suns have had their way the first two games because of their hot shooting. The performances of Chris Paul and Devin Booker a uh, big reason why they were up 2-0. And as we know, sometimes the NBA Finals, having a 2-0 lead, 2-0 lead means nothing. And it means nothing absolutely because anything can happen. And we're seeing that now where Milwaukee Bucks had to get one yesterday. They had to win Game 3 yesterday. It was a must win. And they played with the intensity, the focus needed to win this game. 120-100 uh, to 100 over, the, over the Phoenix Suns. Um, they made things really difficult for Devin Booker, who not only took some bad shots, was supposed to do some bad shots, but give credit, credit to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. You know, they didn't let him get the, his spots. They obviously threw a lot in his direction. Other guys were able to score, but not Devin Booker. And when he's not going, if he has a low performance like this, where he only scores 10 points, uh, that's, you know... That's really the key is that if you can limit him to that many points, you got a bet, you got a really good shot of winning. And look, Devin Booker is an exciting player coming up, but no one ever said it was going to be easy for him. Um, and all the comparisons that he's been, been kind of been giving Devin Booker to Kobe Bryant uh, kind, of, kind of hold off on those you know expectations a little bit because there's a lot Devin Booker has to prove still in this NBA Finals. And based on what happened in Game Three. Game four is the one in which you really want to see if he can like find a way to recover from what happened yesterday. You know, Chris Paul had a decent game, DeAndre Aiden, so you know, also, but Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, very quiet, very quiet, did not have the, the you know, Mikhail Bridges had like a big game in game three, or sorry, game two, and this one he just did not have it. And that is the thing is that Milwaukee Bucks, you know, came out, played so great, they really. They really took it, took it over. I would say in the second and third quarter because they went on a huge, huge run in the second quarter and third quarter, 
to put this game out of the reach of the Phoenix Suns. You know, they they dominated them. I mean, Giannis had a 40-point-plus game, 13 rebounds, got to the free-throw line. He was sensational. And the Bucks did not waste his effort this time. They they were able to do well. Chris Milton chipped in with, I think, 16, 17 points. Holiday also 16 some points or so. Uh, Brooke Lopez had some points there. The Milwaukee Bucks this time were able to play the kind of game that they were supposed to play. They had the lead. They kept the Suns pretty much down until the entire game. Held them under, held them right to 100 points, and that was the key. Not letting, not letting the uh, Phoenix Suns beat them in a shootout, but rather dominating the paint because once again, the Milwaukee Bucks were able to dominate the paint. You know, um, out rebounding them, forcing a lot of turnovers for the Phoenix Suns. The Suns had about 13 turnovers. Uh, free throw disparity was in the Bucks' favor, which was a huge thing um, that had to go right for for the Milwaukee Bucks. They just played with the intensity they needed. They they did not let uh, the Suns go on too many big of a runs at all. Uh, Every possession, they were able to get those rebounds, push the basketball, find quality shots. You saw Giannis do his thing. But more importantly, as a team, as a collective effort, they played much better, closed out on three-pointer attempts. Because remember, the Phoenix Suns in Game 2 hit about 23 pointers I think they only had like seven or eight three-pointers in this game. So they really took away the perimeter shooting. They defended them pretty well. Um, and they made the Suns work. They made the Suns work for it, and Suns have had a very, you know, laid-back kind of postseason. And I don't mean like in the way that they didn't win games, but we know that the whole narrative of the Phoenix Suns was like, you know, they they beat the Lakers in six, right, and then they beat the Denver Nuggets without Jamal Murray, and, and they swept them pretty much, right, or close to that. And then here with the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard goes down. And then the Phoenix Suns are able to overcome them in, in six games with Chris Paul's performance. So the Suns, you know, they've always been able to capture a lead early on in every series they've played, I think, pretty much. And so now they're up 2-1 now, and the pressure's on the Phoenix Suns. And like I said, I would love for this game, love for this series to go seven games because when it goes seven games, it's just, man, you these teams are still feeding each other out. And... The Milwaukee Bucks know what's at stake. Obviously, they wanted to try to get one in Phoenix. That didn't happen in the first two games. But now it's all about home court advantage and protecting home court. And so I think that the way that the Bucks played yesterday, if they can have another performance like that from Giannis, especially Middleton, I mean, they're going to find a way to make this really great and interesting. And you want some kind of drama. You want some kind of suspense in the NBA Finals. Um... I still believe that the Suns have the better shooting and ultimately they'll get it done. But as I've said like throughout this postseason, the Milwaukee Bucks thrive when you doubt them. And they continue to uh, rise above expectations. And so I would love to see a Game 7 between these two teams. I'm really rooting for a Game 7 because I feel like that would be, that would be like great to just see if the Bucks could do it again. In a game seven, um, on on a on you know on a an opponent's court, could they do it again? I would love to see that, to be honest. Because when it gets to game seven, if it's, if it, if that's what it is, it would be great. It would be definitely great uh, because you would just 
you get to see everybody play for it all and that's the thing is that the Suns are incredibly thin um, at the center and power forward position so they are going to struggle to contain the uh, they're going to struggle to contain uh, Giannis I mean he is going to have his shots he's going to have his way in the paint and the whole thing is that even if you if you do double team Giannis he can make the extra pass for a wide open shooter and so I mean that's what really really came down to was great ball movement by the Milwaukee Bucks great focus on getting the extra possessions and rebounds and DeAndre Aiden as good as he is I mean he is so young and still the way that he is where DeAndre Aiden right now is in his career right now he's nowhere near le- near Giannis's level in terms of like the ability to really attack and like dominate in the paint Giannis has mastered that better than anybody and I mean he's had back-to-back 40 plus point games right now and it may stay that way throughout the series a question is will we keep seeing Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton be consistent and that's the key in game four is for Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to be consistent enough where they can uh, where they can really get it done where they can really get it done uh, along with Giannis and so the Phoenix Suns got embarrassed yesterday <laughs> they got embarrassed yesterday uh, in some ways because you just know that they were having their way with the, with the Milwaukee Bucks in terms of shooting and some of the antics and stuff like that which you know you'd love to see because it is playoff basketball but the Milwaukee Bucks woke up yesterday and got a huge win um, against the Milwaukee Bucks um, sorry I mean you know they, they got shoot against the Suns and now it's all about game four now and what adjustments does coach Monty Williams make you know that is the biggest thing to watch out for is that we saw you know Mikhail Bridges not be much of a factor in you know in this game three Booker rough shooting only 10 points 3 of 14 shooting one set from three you know so there's a lot there's a lot that, that didn't go right for the Phoenix Suns um, in this game and uh, the question now is do they have what it takes uh, to win a game four on the road you know because all signs like I mean except the NBA Finals and home court advantage all signs point to like this series being even up and Milwaukee's best shot of extending this series is to win on their home court no matter what and so if the Phoenix Suns do end up dropping again in Milwaukee you know the whole pressure shifts to game five and you just want to see the Suns under pressure you know you want to see them under, under pressure and see this young team with a couple of veterans can can win because the Bucks are well experienced there's no doubt about that they're well experienced they've been here they've been to the playoffs a lot more than the Phoenix Suns have and the Suns are trying to do something that they haven't done in their franchise history is try to win their first NBA championship um, and they're going through a team in which it's got size can defend can play well and now without you know without Sarge without um, you know a couple of you know better you know strategies against the Milwaukee Bucks it's going to be hard for the Phoenix Suns and they're gonna to have to really earn it that's what you want to see them earn it through these kind of situations so game four um, hopefully will be a closer game 
you know, I've been wanting to see a closer game between these two teams. I think that, as I mentioned before, um, I've mentioned this before, and I think I've said it many times about this postseason. Game four is a, is really when like a lot of these series really starts going on, um, and so I would say is that game four of the NBA Finals is huge. It's huge for the Milwaukee Bucks um, because if they don't get this one then they are facing a tough challenge and so game four if they play the same way they play yesterday with the intensity the focus they are going to win they're going to win and tie this series up and that's what you want to see you want to see uh, if this finals can be tied up at 2-2 uh, with the advantage um, of just uh, everybody being you know even packed right there you know 2-2 that's what you want to see the whole thing now is what do both teams come out and do in Game Four? Obviously, Devin Booker having that kind of performance, he is going to definitely come out more aggressive in Game Four. Uh, the question is, will it be enough? Will it be enough? Because with Giannis has been playing the last two games, they don't have an answer for Giannis right now. DeAndre Ayton can't deal with him. Uh, as you know, he can't deal with him on every possession, and it's becoming increasingly difficult for the Suns to defend. Giannis. So the question is, what do you do to make an adjustment? And you know, it's funny, just that I was probably like, I was trying to, I was playing some game earlier. I was doing Bucks and Suns, I think. And I don't know what I did, but I put Mikael Bridges on on Giannis to, to defend him. And honestly, it worked out a little bit. So if Mikael Bridges can't be a factor offensively in Game Four. Uh, put him on Giannis, let Giannis just bully him down and see if he can do something. But that's just me being, you know, what kind of strategy that I would I would try. But whatever it is, Game 4 promises to be a really good game. Hopefully it'll be more tighter um, between both teams because you just want to see which star duo uh, comes out on top in, in a clutch time situation. I want to see that. And so I'm rooting for that in Game 4. Um, and hopefully... Hopefully it does happen because it will be just great to see how both teams perform under that spotlight, that pressure, and which team comes out on top. Uh, but Game 4 is a must-watch, um, one that may decide how this series may go rest of the way. So in this next segment, I want to talk about a special moment that took place over this past weekend for one of the uh, best soccer players of this generation and has done everything else in terms of individually winning awards and and, setting records, but finally delivered in a moment in which was a long time coming. Um, And I'm talking about Lionel Messi, uh, who... Uh, plays for Argentina and has been the heart and soul of that of that team uh, for years. And Lionel Messi finally had his moment. Argentina finally had their moment when they captured the 2021 Copa America final, in which they defeated Brazil to win their first, I think, national international trophy since 1993, I believe. Um, and what a moment for Lionel Messi and his career after just knowing that Lionel Messi's been through a lot of heartbreaks, a lot of uh, 
you know, tough losses at the very end of, of you know, just the World Cup and then just this event itself, you know. So, Lionel Messi, 34 years old, has won so many individual titles and accomplishments with Barcelona, I believe. And for him to finally lead his team that he represents nationally to a title, uh, it was great to see the reaction of all his teammates and coaches afterwards celebrating him as they won this final in the same stadium that they lost the World Cup to back in 2014 to Germany. You know, so it was a special moment for Messi and the group as they really battled a lot throughout this uh, this run uh, to make it happen. And you know, just knowing that Messi was was committed to coming back and playing. Um, you know, and everything internationally, uh, you know, he he finally did it, and he's you know he was celebrated accordingly. He had a special hug with uh, Neymar after the game, and you know, in terms of his career, I mean, it's just a, a huge, huge thing that he was just looking to get off his chest, and he has, he has big time. Uh, Got to give credit to his coach. Um, you know, who I think Lionel Shalini, who had a great game plan uh, with everything in terms of just making the right adjustments at the right time, good strategy overall. And they beat a pretty good Brazil team that was the favorites. Um, and they were able to get through that, you know. So Lionel Messi has been uh, t- talked about so much throughout the years in terms of what he's meant to the game of soccer and what he was looking to do. And with this victory here, with leading his team uh, to this um, you know, achievement, you know, he's done it all now in his career. And you know, obviously he wants to keep on playing as much as he can. He's still got a lot left in the tank, I believe. Um, but it's exciting to see Argentina have this run and be able to kind of, uh, you know, have their moment where they were able to win a title in the stadium that they, you know, years ago came up short. So this is a huge thing for Argentina and Messi, his career big time. Uh, he's going to be talked about a lot, even more, even more so. Um, after winning the Copa America Championship and Argentina fans should definitely be celebrating a lot throughout the week uh, because they deserve to after being able to win um, you know their first trophy in over like a a decade plus Um, so very special moment for Argentina and hopefully they continue to uh, be in the conversation more and more with more and more international competitions on the way in, in, in the coming year and beyond. As long as Lionel Messi is there, being the superstar that he is, um, you know, it's going to be still thrilling to watch them compete and Messi being on the stage once again. So now I want to talk about a recent coaching uh, news that came out in the NBA. You know, a lot of uh, coaches have already found new destinations and a couple remain, a couple remain. Um, and the whole thing now is which teams are going to, which candidates are going to really emerge. 
as it stands right now, I think the New Orleans Pelicans are the only team without a coach right now. But that may soon be decided. Uh, but the Orlando Magic have named their next head coach, and that is Jamal Mosley. Um, Jamal Mosley agreed to a four-year contract with the Orlando Magic. And the Magic obviously wanted to have an extensive coaching search in which they could find and identify a candidate that they really wanted to pursue. And Mosley comes into Orlando with a lot of experience on his side. Obviously, the seven-plus seasons he spent with Rick Carlisle um, definitely makes him you know, a good candidate, someone who has a lot of experience at the table, uh, is going to be able to tap into a lot of different uh, levels of this team. And Orlando Magic could definitely need somebody who can be really solid in terms of just being understanding the role of the coach. And under Rick Carlisle, Jamal Mosley uh, spent time as an associate head coach. So, you know, he's well aware of a lot of different things. And that go into game planning and getting this team to be at a high level again. The Magic are still a far away from being a competitive team. Um, they got ways to go before they can be a solid team. But Jamal Moses' leadership, his ability to work with close players, knowing how he has been able to work with, with Luka Doncic recently, you know that body of work is there. Uh, being involved in a lot of decision making as a coaching level. Mosley is going to be able to change, hopefully, the culture in Orlando. Um, you know, he's got a young core players that have bright futures. You know, you got Cole Anthony. You know, Mo Bamba's there. Wendell Carter. You know, Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac. They got some decent talent that just needs to be healthy and to be consistent. And it will take time for the Orlando Magic to build winning and consistent habits, but if there's one person who can do it, it's Jamal Mosley. He was really someone that I talked about a lot as I was previewing coaches uh, earlier. Uh, and I think that he is going to really start building things up in Orlando, hopefully well enough. They won't be a competitive team this year, but they will, I think, make some strides, hopefully. Uh, Mosley obviously waiting a long time for this opportunity. To be in a prominent head coaching position and even though it's not the, the most attractive team uh, that he was you know was looking at or, or he thought about maybe but ultimately he got the opportunity and it's a good sign for the NBA for more and more coaches to get opportunities who have worked a lot in terms of like under under a current head coach and he's definitely earned his earned his ability to like be a coach now and so his best qualities will be his, you know, his leadership and his innovative coaching style. Hopefully, he'll be able to get a lot of guys to buy in quickly, to be, to be, you know, on point with everything that he wants to do. And he gets to build this team, however he can, you know, with the number of draft picks that they do have and the way that they can maneuver certain assets. I mean, Mosley is going to be a, a big time addition to this roster, and you know, he'll bring something that they'll need. In terms of like being tough, being able to offensively be much better, uh, but to play to play at a high level on all levels. And I think that throughout the time with the Dallas, you saw Rick Carlisle have success with a lot of young players, mostly being one who really has worked with those players. His ability to connect and have a you know have a strong bond with his players, hopefully, will be able to help Orlando Magic 
start to win games, have more confidence in themselves because they've had a rough stretch where they just haven't been able to play healthy. They haven't been healthy first, and then they haven't been able to have that confidence to win games. And I think that Mosley is going to come in and definitely change that, have players buy in. He can work with a lot of these younger players to tap into their extra potential. The way they look at Doncic, he was able to work with Luka Doncic and some of the younger players there in Dallas. Hopefully he can do the same thing. And hopefully he'll be successful in doing so because the Orlando Magic have a lot um, a lot of young talent that uh, is going to go as he goes. And in terms of a competitive roster in the Eastern Conference, look, the Magic were in the, po- were in the postseason. They, they were in the postseason just not too long ago in the bubble, right? Um, but it's more about seeing development in these players. I think the one thing that we haven't seen from the Orlando Magic is development in these players, improving from these players. And hopefully mostly the kind of coaching staff he'll assemble around him with his guidance and his ability to... Knowing he's worked with Rick Carlisle, who's one of the most successful and winning coaches in franchise history for the Dallas Mavericks, knowing that he's been watching and observing through him, I think he will be able to bring... uh, be able to bring a lot uh, to the table in Orlando. And hopefully it'll be a competitive team that will at least be, you know, start showing improvements. And, you know, if he's able to get this team to play at a good level and develop winning habits, maybe they can compete next year. Um, but it's all about first getting these players to kind of buy in, be healthy. Um, but more importantly, however he builds this team going forward, especially through the draft and through how he handles the... The main time responsible is being a head coach. Uh, he's fully equipped to do so. Uh, just a matter of how successful can he be? Because we know that there have been coaches who have gone to Orlando and haven't been as successful, kind of have had very right, bad records. And he may have a bad record early on. There's no doubt about that. But for him, hopefully, they give him time to really succeed as the coach, as the coach of this team, and give him that time to make this team better. You know. The Magic can't keep opting for easy fixes. And hopefully that with, with Jamal Mosley, he does enough where by the end of that four-year contract, hopefully he'll be getting an extension. Uh, and that is the hope for the Orlando Magic is to have have Jamal Mosley there for a long time. And he's going to have to really prove it, most likely in years two to three. Um, but if not, like towards the end of the third season, fourth season, you just got to see the Magic really... Uh, so they, they will evaluate him, but Jamal Mosley has a really big chance here to show what he, show what he can bring to the table. And I have no doubt that as long as he continues to have his say in a lot of these personnel matters, that this team will be hopefully competing well enough by the time he, you know, is in line for a new contract possibly.